0: Welcome to the Craft and Character podcast. Today, we're gonna discuss what the craft of communication has been like for the doctor, Glenn Packiam. He's the associate senior pastor at New Life Church in Colorado Springs, and actually is the lead pastor at the New Life downtown location. Uh, He's been a worship leader. He was a part of Desperation Band back in the day Uh, He, in my opinion, is a profoundly deep and thoughtful scholar. He's got his doctorate in theology from Durham University in the UK. Uh, The guy's got a ton of degrees. um, But deep down, he is just a gift, a gift to the kingdom. Uh, He's also an author. He wrote this beautiful book called Blessed, Broken, Given. And the talk that we're actually going to discuss is part one of a three-week series that he did um, a number of months ago at New Life, and it's called Blessed. And what I want you to do is I want you to hear this kind of two-minute clip to kind of start our conversation again, because I I want you to understand uh, that we're not just talking about communicators. I want you to hear their sound. I want you to get a taste of... Uh, Something that like stood out to me um, when I listened to Dr. Packiam share. And um, then we'll just dive into this conversation on craft and character. So hear this.
1: And it goes on, verse 26. And God said, let us make mankind human ones in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created mankind, humanity, in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. The reason we have to go back to the start is this is the first time we are introduced to this word blessed. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament is written in Greek. But by the time of Jesus, they had translated the Old Testament into Greek. And so many of the followers of Jesus would have learned the Old Testament in Greek. And so when you find a word in the New Testament in Greek, you kind of want to know, well, was, what did they, did they use that word in the Old Testament for something else? When the gospel writers say that Jesus blessed bread, it's the same word that they translated Genesis 1 with and said, God blessed humanity and God blessed creation. That word is the root, shares the the, the common root here, the word eulogio, from which we get our word eulogy. Now, very often, we save eulogies for when a person's time on earth is done. What if eulogies are actually for the living? What if eulogies are for the time that we actually have where we're able to say, I bless you, God says a eulogy, if you will, at the very beginning of creation. The very beginning of the world, God says, I'm going to bless you. And so, well, what does that word mean? I mean, what does this Greek word mean? It's very simple. It simply means at the heart of it, to speak well of. To speak well of, to praise. To be blessed is to let God retell your story.
0: Well, Dr. Glenn Packiam, thanks so much for joining us on the Craft and Character podcast. And and I really wanted people to hear uh, that part of your teaching um, because you you do a great job. Uh, You do a great job of taking complex theological ideas and making them so accessible. And and that's really what I want to really spend our time discussing, that and the power of finding your voice. But I thought just for a moment, um, I know that this message is not just a, a teach, but it's it's kind of a a, a life's work uh, per se. Can you just talk a little bit um, about that kind of idea of blessed, broken, given? Uh, I know it's a book. It's an amazing book. I'm going to encourage everyone to read it, but, but just maybe just spend a moment, just talk about that, and then we can dive into accessibility and finding your voice.
1: About 12 or 15 years ago, um, we began kind of introducing some historic worship practices into the life of our church, and it was mostly because our church needed an anchor, but also because we as individuals, as as leaders, needed an anchor. Uh, we found that we were giving people just, you know, good good songs and good sermons, uh, but there needed to be more than that, and so coming to the Lord's Table each week became this, almost like this tether, this rope to the the beginning, to the early church, to their practices, and it grounded us, and it helped people know that the new life story was bigger than this than the name of one pastor or a person and all of that and so as as we began to do that each week the the image of Jesus taking bread blessing it breaking it giving it just became so powerful for us so in the congregation that I lead new life downtown we would use those three words to talk about our life together as the people of God and we said look man when we come to Worship on Sundays, that's like remembering our blessedness in Christ. That's kind of reorienting our, the ground of our being in the gospel and the good news. And then when we open our hearts to one another in small groups and meal groups, that's like being broken and being opened up together and shared vulnerability. And then when we're given, that's our purpose. That's why we're not just in the city for our own sake. This is not about padding our stats and adding to our numbers. This is about being in the city for the sake of the city and the bread is just as the bread is given for the life of the world. So, as we began to do that practice and and preach that paradigm, uh, it, it began to just get in our bones, you know. So for me, it is it is very much a life message because we're always looking for ways to bridge what happens on Sunday with the rest of our life in the rest of the week, and and these words and these image that this imagery was a powerful way to do that. But I think in in other ways, it's a life message because I've always felt like. Um, Man, there are just moments that that seem so ordinary, you know, and seems so mundane, and uh, and I grew up in kind of that era of everybody's going to be a world changer and a history maker, and I, I love that, and that is inspiring when you're a young person, but there can be the, it can set you up for profound disappointments when you get into normal life, and you're like, wait, well, hey, well, you know, am I doing anything? So maybe it's my Enneagram 3, wrestling for significance and achievement or all that. But I, it's always spoken to me in a very deep way that Jesus took bread, common, ordinary bread. And so so those, those are two of the reasons why this is a deep uh, message for me.
0: Yeah, I love when you were even in the teach, uh, w- was talking about the bread of heaven. And you're like, Jesus, I think you could have given yourself uh, maybe a different yeah. title than the ordinary one of heaven, you know, like yeah, it just, it yeah. just kind of, and I, I never thought of that. Uh, I've always thought of Jesus using something that was so ordinary here, but the way that he describes it in these cosmic terms. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think there, there was just such power in that. And again, this is where, you know, you've got this doctorate. I mean, you've studied at, at, at Durham. Um, you, you, you've, you know, you're, you're a fellow, like you're a teacher, you know, I, I, I'm incredibly over the years been blessed because I respect your scholar work, um, your theologian perspective, but I also love that you fight to make it accessible for, uh, the explorer, for the person who's you know and, and we both love alpha we both love you yeah, know just yeah. kind of the that evangelistic yeah. heart you know you know but, but you you have this uh unique tether to kind of the the ancient practices to deep theological research and a heart for people who are being formed and shaped to greater discipleship and people who are far from god like yeah. No. You don't typically find someone with that kind of bandwidth, which leads me to in this whole craft and character podcast about working on the craft of communication. How do you fight to hold something to be deep and theological yet profoundly accessible? How how do you do that from week to week?
1: It, it, fight is a great word, Steve, because it is that for me. I, it doesn't come naturally, and it, and it it was uh. A lot of years in the making. I mean, I, I I've been preaching weekly since 2009, and I look back at some of those early sermon notes and I think, oh my goodness, what was I doing? And you know, prior to that, I probably spoke a half dozen times a year in various settings. You know, College Twenty Somethings Ministry, maybe a an evening service here or there but 2009 started preaching weekly and i i was trying to cram everything i had just learned <laughs> in one sermon you know yes. i mean lit, you know my outlines were like this this could have been an entire series but i pack <laughs> tried to pack it all in one sermon so it it doesn't come easy for me i do want to say too much and it still is the the you know the the ongoing challenge but i've been helped along the way by by listening to great communicators uh, early on, you know, even when I was only preaching a handful of times a year, I read Andy Stanley's book, Communicating for a Change, and I love the way he he talked about the tension and setting yeah. that up. And then I read uh, Chip and Dan Heath's book, Made to Stick, you know, and just that whole idea of where's the gap in people's knowledge and and help them bring up to the, bring them up to the edge of their gap and uh, what they know and what they can't explain, and then you know introduce the message. And then I've loved Tim Keller, you know, his book on preaching, where he talks about what's the cultural question or the longing. So for me, very often, the the beginning of the sermon is so important to me, because I'm trying to find out the thing that really grabs people, the thing that they're wrestling with, maybe it's a question, uh, maybe it's a tension, maybe it's an objection that they have to the faith, you know. And I do think, you know, growing up, I was. I grew up in Malaysia. It's a multi-religious, you know, country. Christians are only about ten or eleven percent. And so I, I, I grew up kind of in this pluralistic um, uh, setting. And and on top of that, I am wired as this intellectual kind of guy. So <laughs> so here I am in charismatic churches in Malaysia, but but always questioning and second guessing. And I felt like I had a lot of preachers that dismissed that, that said, "Oh, don't overanalyze. Don't overthink." And so in some ways, I'm trying to preach to the 15-year-old version of myself, You know, to the person who's like, I want to know this, but these things don't add up or these things don't make sense. Um, so I, I am trying to have that voice in my head of like, what would a person really say if they came to this text uh, afresh and were like, that, that, that's stupid or that's crazy talk, you know? Um, but it's a constant fight. Well, you, and you did
0: that, and that's why I wanted to share that clip um, at the beginning of the podcast, because even as you took and and you do this so so naturally, um, you go back to the creation story. You, you always try to frame it, you know, um, with the right perspective, the right lens. But then you take this word that's so common uh, to to us in the states, you know, this idea of eulogy, and now you you you've now seen this this word bless with whoa whoa, it's like. God has given you a eulogy before you ever died, you know, (laughs) and, and it was just this, this like fascination with words. But again, you took an idea, made it so relatable to go to think like, wow, it's not like God is blessing the end of our life. He's blessing the beginning. beginning.
1: Yeah. It's just a. I mean, just I wish I would said I wish I would have said it quite like that. No, that's no, really no, nice. No, that's good. No, but <laughs> but it's it's
0: it's but that's this is what you do on a regular basis, you know? And and I do think the art of elimination is one of the hardest things yes. for for the Kellers to the emerging voices, just cutting sure. and slicing yep. and going, This is and you've got a new thing that you're um are in process of releasing, um like eight talks. On Romans 8 um, yeah. which makes me think like okay you're, you've learned something because now you, you're not not doing one talk on Romans eight you're doing eight um, but but how talk, talk about that because I think that's a part yeah. of that elimination process that you're seeing. Can you share a little bit about that and where people can find that?
1: Yeah that's great well I, I'm just starting a little email list thing and I'm gonna tweet a link to it later um, where people can sign up for it and I'm gonna send them it's a one page uh, one page of my notes. And it's basically three or four verses at a time working through Romans 8 in eight uh, sessions. And each talk ended up being about seven or eight minutes, and there's eight of them. and you know. so, but, but yeah, it is, it is a bit of learning over the years. But I think what's difficult, so at New Life, we preach mostly from a text. And I, I get preaching from topics, and that's great too. But the trick when you preach from a text is the text is not written in a way that naturally divides itself up yeah. in a series. So in my brain, you know, you you, you you study into the text and there's three or four things you could chase. And, and it, it, sometimes depending on the writer, I mean, Paul is maybe a little more linear than John, but you get kind of this thing where actually they'll say something here and then they'll work down five or six verses and then come back to that idea. And so you have a lot of decisions to make of like, all right. How do I simplify this without doing violence to the text? How do I uh, bring the core idea that addresses the sort of cultural question or, or the the longing in people's hearts without um, without muting or muffling the text? And that that is part of the wrestle for me in, in in preaching from a text.
0: Yeah. That's. Do you have a few questions that you just ask yourself, like um, for any any you know. A uh, person who's teaching on a regular basis, when they're approaching, you know, a theological treatise that Romans eight is, yeah. and you're yeah. like, you're kind of going, okay, make sure you you answer these <laughs> questions so that so that you don't lose um lose the heartbeat of what Paul or John is writing uh, for yeah. the sake and, and and often what I'll talk about is like everyone comes in to to a message, whether they know it or not, with an ache with the desire, and feeling a cultural stronghold. And how does this like speak to it? But sometimes a teacher will go all felt need with not bringing out the desire or how this actually benefits or works towards a cultural stronghold. And you do those three really well in a message. Um, Yeah, if there's questions uh, that you ask yourself.
1: There are, I like the way you said that. That's really good, Steve. Some of the questions I ask is, what's what is the longing we can't name
0: oh, you know, that's so, good.
1: so you know in Romans um, it opens up there is no condemnation well maybe the longing that we can't quite name is I want to be free from that voice in my head that says I'm not enough or that I failed or there's a condemnation not from some devil but actually from ourselves or from our own guilt or you know so the longing we can't name or the fear we can't face um, sometimes there's a fear we can't face and, and that fear could be, that that God doesn't accept you, or that God secretly has reservations about you, and you, so so I might name that, or the question we can't shake, you know, and, and maybe the question we can't shake is, uh, you know, later on in 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 Romans eight, where in all things God is working, you know, for good maybe that one of the questions there is where is god and is god even at work yes. in the midst of this mess cuz it says all things but the, uh, we all know there's moments where it doesn't feel like he's there you know so i like to foreground that i like to put that right at the beginning to say this is the this is the question we can't shake or the longing we can't name or or, or the fear we can't face and and then to begin to to look at the text and find ourselves in it and then at the end of it uh, really point to Jesus. Uh, so one of the, one of the, one of the techniques for me is the end of the sermon has to point to kind of the originating love of the father or the originating work of the father, if you will, that this was always in God's heart. And that's why, you you know, you said, uh, I like to go back to Genesis. I do, because we start so often with all have sinned instead of in the beginning, God, you know, and he blessed. So the originating sort of work of the father, the finished work of the son and the ongoing work of the spirit. Um, Sometimes in in some paradigms of preaching, people will say, well, let's just point to Jesus. And I get that. And and that's really good. However, it can leave a person saying, okay, it's great. So Jesus has done it all. Nothing for me, right? I'm good. Right. Instead of saying, because Jesus has done it all. And because the father always intended for you to join in the spirit now is the power for you to go and do likewise. The spirit is now for you uh, on you to carry on this. So, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are kind of a. They're in my mind as I'm crafting the end of the sermon.
0: Yeah, that it's so good. And, and you know, for, for many of you who are like in your car, or in your office, or at your home, still in shelter in place, listening to this, I wish you could see Glenn's like body gestures as he's talking about the heart of the Father and Genesis one. His hands are like all over the place because you, and 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 that's that's a beautiful picture. Is because when you start getting to Genesis. And you start getting to Jesus, and you even start talking about the Spirit's power and that the whole larger story and finding ourselves in it. Uh, it I saw it in the teach, uh, and I've seen it in the teach on regular regular uh, uh, times from you. It's just it, it it just comes out of you, which I absolutely love. Uh, many people probably know this. Maybe they don't. You know, you're you're a writer. Um, you've written a number of books. Uh, you you know you're this associate senior pastor at New Life, um, so you're teaching on a regular basis, um, lead the the downtown campus, but you are also a worship leader. And th- the other thing I think when we talk about the craft of communication is each of those are three different mediums: from songwriting to yes. writing a chapter in a book, to getting on stage and writing a message and delivering a message. Yeah. One of the big things that I've been fascinated uh is watching you over the years. Um I'd say I, I got introduced to your music first, but mm-hmm. then introduced to you as a speaker somewhere around 2013, 14 and sure. um, and began listening on um, on a quite regular basis, but watching you discover your voice um <laughs> at and, and bring all those worlds together. Um yeah. h- how can you talk about that process? Um, because mm. it it is an interesting thing for a worship leader uh, by craft to like kind of move into this like role as a yeah. you know scholar, teacher, um, author. I, I, I don't know. Just t- yeah. if you, you don't mind t- talking about that fight to find your voice.
1: Finding your voice is such an important thing, regardless of what the craft is. I mean, I, I would say finding my voice was a struggle as a songwriter, you know, mm. Uh, and as a worship leader and as a preacher so it, it is an ongoing journey and it really uh, the right community around you is so so important because we kind of have this illusion that you know these geniuses just emerge on the stage one day and they you know but it's not true we we all have been formed in a crucible and we all have been formed, shaped by a community so i'm i'm very grateful for friends who gave feedback and input and and guys who stretched me the, our, the, the team here at new life Um, we're all very different from one another. We did, a few months ago, we did a little sort of preacher's workshop for some upcoming developing communicators at at New Life. And the three or four of us that were presenting were like very different, you know? Um, uh, And we acknowledge that. And I think so part of finding your own voice is is being comfortable in who you are and and who you're not, while uh, not using that as an excuse to not get better at certain things, you know? So one of the things that I've had to learn is, to actually bring in some of that paradigm of songwriting and to think of a sermon, having a chorus, where's the chorus in the sermon? Where is that? This is the motif that they're going to remember. They're going to go out singing that, you know? Uh, and I would, I would load it with so much content that there was no chorus. It was like eight verses long, you know, (laughs) (laughs) eight stanzas. And, And so I had to pray and be like, okay, one, a big part of the sermon prep needed to be stepping away from the computer, going for a walk or a drive or whatever and saying, Lord, what is the burning heart of this message? Like, what is your burden for your people? Like, if you could tell them one thing from all these three or four pages of notes, what is it you want them to know? And then I would kind of trim from there and eliminate from there. And if anything was cluttering the chorus, I would I would eliminate it, you know? So, so th- 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 that's kind of the crossover.
0: That's a great line. If anything is cluttering the chorus, I will eliminate it. I mean, that, that you know... And it's, it's amazing because when I listened to your, your talk um, on Blessed, Be Blessed, the thought that I had for—and I was trying to listen to it on multiple levels. Like, one, I listened to it just as a, as a someone who wants to be fed, and I, I loved mm-hmm. it. Then I listened to it again as someone who was like, hey, I, I'm going preparing for a podcast, listen to it. But then I'd listen to it again trying to think through if this was a song— what would these, what, you know, and you can obviously feel the, 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 the chorus of the blessed, broken, given you it's, it's, that the, the arc of the the series and the song. But I, then I started thinking like, what's this bridge? And, and I hope everyone mm-hmm. listens to this. There'll be a link in obviously, in then show notes where you can go listen mm-hmm. to this talk. Um, and you can subscribe to, to, to Glenn's uh, YouTube channel, which is amazing. But the, the piece that I love too, that I felt like was the bridge is, you might remember this. Is you went in and you talked about John being carried mm. in to like these house churches, and the mm. thing that he would just say is, beloved.
1: Yeah, beloved,
0: yeah. beloved, <laughs> you know, and it was just this like mm. just it, it felt connected to the talk, but it just felt this powerful. And it, you know, yeah. with the story of your dad, and and it just yeah. kind of led into this whole piece. And I just was like, that is like. A bridge that is a moment yeah. um, that I've not seen demonstrated with body language on a stage and just mm-hmm. with the voice, and I just go, I can't imagine what that must have been like for to be one of those people in that house church right? to hear right. someone like John just saying, "This is who you are." Yeah, I love it. Yeah. You know. Um, yes, and so I just I think that you. Y- you have found something that re, like resounding sound that mixes the choruses, the scholar, <laughs> um, just the pastor, and that evangelist heart that I um, has blessed me, and oh, I no. and I can see that you have just again First Timothy four it says, <clears throat> "Do not neglect your gift." This is Paul telling yeah, his mentee, yeah, you know, yeah. and he's like, "Be diligent in these matters." Yes. Uh so that give yourself wholly to them, so that everyone may see your progress. Yeah. And like just to watch your mm-hmm. dedication, man, it, it it spurs me on. I love it, and it's a gift to the kingdom. So thank you for uh, that, man, um,
1: Steve. That means so much to me. And I I wanted to you know give you give uh, your listeners a little snapshot when I started when we started New Life Downtown in two thousand twelve. So I've been preaching weekly for about three years, but then now in a, in a different way. I formed a little group of congregants, um, and we would meet at a Starbucks uh, Wednesday or Thursday afternoon. And when the sermon was written, and I would talk through it with them, yes. and and it helped me so much because then I began to realize, oh, this made sense in my study, but it doesn't make sense with the people, you know. And and so even that to me is like in the songwriting stage where you you take the song out of the greenhouse and you test it for the first time in the yeah. congregational setting, and then you're like. Oh, that was weird. That, that was, that pre-chorus was, you know, too meandering or whatever. And those are, that's so important because I think, I think we, we, we can fall in love with our sermon as an outline. But if you don't, just, just test it in a little safe place. And I know some people do this. They preach with their staff before the weekend, and that's great too. Uh, for, for me, just having a small table, talking through it, it gives it some warmth. And that's, for, again, for me, that's the part of the sermon writing that I needed to work on is where's the warmth? Where are the yes. people? Where does this hit the heart? Um, yes. I, I can never get away from having points in the sermon. I'm going to have points. <laughs> but where's the warmth in the heart? Where, where's the emotion that moves people? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's really, really,
0: really, really good because, um, you know, so you look at stand-up comedians; they're walking in late at night and they're just working on yeah. three or four jokes, and they're yep. like that bomb. But they're trying to build for an hour special, yes. you know. And I think the more that we can have people that aren't like us, you know, as threes on the enneagram, we're not finding more threes, but like no. to find people who are in different kind of spaces and spheres yeah, of life that yeah. we can talk through and isn't it amazing is when you have that and you're like oh my goodness like like Connie loved that idea like yeah. it like yeah. that that spoke to her and she or and and she added a couple of thoughts that like i think would really resonate to her friends that I would have never yeah. thought of and then you go and deliver the message and you're like God through Connie made that so much much
1: stronger. Exactly.
0: Like, it, and, exactly. and, and you just start thinking when you see that playing out, you go, why haven't I done this, uh, you know, earlier? And I just think, um, th- that is, I'm, I'm glad you said that because they a really, really important piece. Look, I want to shift because part of the, you know, obviously the, the podcast is on craft and character and the ampersand is so important to me yeah. is yeah. I think for many people, they focus so much on their craft Um, you know, and, and we see it with like the last dance, you know, with Michael Jordan. Like I I love, you know, just so gifted. Um, or sometimes we see in spiritual formation centers, like people focusing so much on their character and transformation, um, but not so much on their craft. Uh, cause Mm -hmm. almost like it's almost, but I think what I've appreciated, um, about you and, and many others that I voices that I would just respect, um, women and men in the kingdom is you're doing both and what would you say are some of those exercises or practices or or reasons for why um, at the end of the day you are committing so much to having your character lead the way
1: well at the end of the day a sermon is not just a talk you know it's not a ted talk it's 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 it comes from a deep life with god and it comes from, you know, I think Brueggemann said it's a word from another world. But if we are not living from that other world, then uh, then it doesn't, you know, it, it hasn't taken root in us. And I, it, it should go without saying, but the pressure on us as pastors to produce a talk every week uh, can, can tempt us to just sort of put together a good outline that we're proud of and clever stories and all the right things. And, again, I, I, there are parallels with me from my, my years leading worship. It's easy to stand up and just get through the sets and you know in the set list and you know how to shape the contour of it. So this is the high point, this is the low point. But we used to, you know, we used to talk about a worship leader having their own private times of worship with the Lord. This is David on the back hills, right with his heart before he's leaving. The worship leaders need that and and preachers need that. I need time with the Bible that's not for the purpose of sermon prep. I need time to just read uh, the word of God deeply. That is, that doesn't have me firing for three points in an outline and, you know, and, and so there, so there is kind of the, the, the intimacy with, with Jesus aspect of it that, that shapes the character, but there's also, and this is like artists, art emerges when you're okay with waste. And what I mean by that is you're, you're going to write a lot of bad songs. You're going to sit down at the piano pick up the guitar and, Maybe nine times out of 10, nothing comes of it. But you have to be willing. There has to be enough white space uh, so that there's almost sort of this excess uh, before something beautiful emerges. And in in a similar way, I have to read stuff that will never show up in a sermon. Mm. But I have to read for my own sake, for the purpose of enriching the soil of my own heart. So oftentimes, I'm reading biblical studies stuff and theology stuff uh that that will will never um well some of it will but but most of it will never show up in a sermon outline it's not a commentary of the text it's just it's just something I'm chasing out of interest you know and and uh that childlike wonder of fascination with god's word and with uh you got to st- you got to cultivate that and you got to chase those things that you, you don't realize it but you're laying the groundwork you're you're enriching the soil for the seeds that will be planted in it or Switch metaphors, it's like digging a well before you need the water. Yeah. You, know, you, 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 you need to cultivate that deep place of intimacy and of learning and, 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 and pursuing wonder um, before you end up needing content.
0: Yeah. You, you know, it's so fascinating because um, a mentor of mine used to always say, uh, don't go to counseling when things have fallen apart, go right. to counseling right. before things have fallen apart, right? I think so often we go to the well because we need something. We need to yeah. teach. We need it. But you're talking about the kind of the intentionality of digging way before you even need an idea, because you need it for yourself. Yes. You know, yes. and that 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 cultivation of that childlike wonder. Um, yes. Is that something you schedule? Is that something <laughs> that you know? What does that What does that look like? uh, in just real practical kind yeah. of terms. Cause I love that idea.
1: I, it, it has to be in the mornings for me because my brain is pretty fried at night. <laughs> so I, I used to be pretty bad about my schedule. I just say yes to appointments whenever you know, but, but Brady has really modeled a good example for us here of like just blocking out, um, chunks and, and, And uh, and then I've adopted kind of block scheduling like so many people do. So. So for me, Mondays are a day where it's not a day off. It it is the workday Fridays and Saturdays are my days off. But Mondays are the days where I don't schedule any reoccurring appointments. So once in a while, if there's a crisis situation or whatever, I can uh, I can fit it in on a Monday or a catch up with uh, with a friend over lunch is fine. But that, just not having the press of my schedule, I, I, I can't create when I feel the walls closing in. So Mondays are just, it's a wide open space for me. Uh, and, I'll, you know, so per, personal devotional life oftentimes is psalm praying and then reading a chapter out of the Bible. And then often I'll go for a walk, listen to, a, you know, an app like Lectio 365, uh, our friend Pete Greg's app um, just, just, you know, something devotionally, and then about an hour of just reading something else. So that, that's the goal. Okay. That's, that's the goal. It doesn't always happen that way. And oftentimes there are weeks where things get pressed and it, it goes out. But, but if I can spend about 45 minutes to an hour, uh, four or five days a week of reading something that's not sermon related, that's just me chasing a fascination with the scriptures or, Um, that's, that's good. So, and I'll say, you know, related to that, sometimes, you you know, you want to teach at. let's just put numbers on this. You want to teach at a level eight. So what I would say is you need to actually then read or absorb at a level 10. And the reason for that is output is always lower in quality than input. It's just one of those things. Maybe it's the fallen world thing. You think of a photocopy machine, the copy is always worse than the original, right? So, if you want to, let's just use an example. If you want to teach like Tim Keller, you you can't just listen to Tim Keller. You got to listen and read to who Tim Keller is listening to and reading, right? Yeah. So chase the sources, and and you you you'll be absorbing in greater complexity, but you're going to communicate in in greater simplicity.
0: That's so good. That's I I love that even just the the visual the ten and the eight. Glenn, what are the other things in and, you know, we've got mutual friends and, you know, we've been together uh, a couple of times. One time I was out at New Life and yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things I feel like I've always respected the way that other people talk about you and have experienced in just a handful of times that we've, you know, been in the same place, but it's been your ability to be present. Um, and, you know, I, 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 I feel like there's always just this sense of, peace and calm. Like I've, I've not <laughs> ever heard someone say, I don't know, Steve, but that, <laughs> okay, that, that Glenn Packham, he's a stressed, just, just, um, but there's just this sense of ease. And, and again, I, I know that life's not easy and especially no, you're yeah, walking yeah. through some, but there, that doesn't just come and that doesn't just happen, you know, and we read in Philippians that, you know, um, to, to be rejoice always am that. That's a That's a, a command, you know what I mean? To like live in that kind of life. Mm. But I feel like there is just this, um, sweet spirit. Um, w- you know, when, when my friends talk about, uh, their interactions with you, they're just like, they're not like, man, that guy's that wasn't present. That guy was a jerk. They're just, just this, this, this peaceful spirit. How, how, how <laughs> do you have that? You know what I mean? Oh, and and again, this is I know this is this is awkward, yeah. but I, I I really want people to see like yeah. these aren't just is this is not a different person that's on stage. Yeah. Um, because I think you and I both hold this. All of life is a stage. All yeah, of yeah. life oh is, yeah. you know, and, and again, it's that cultivation of going, it's easy to flip a switch and be mm-hmm. on when yeah. there's 2000 people in the room and be completely different. Or forget uh, who we're called to be, um, mm. and again, n- perfection is impossible. Perfection is That's not sure. the goal, but yeah. the yeah. just that constant work for trans uh, that transformed life, uh, that mm. deeply formed life, as our friend Rich mm. would call it. Um, <laughs> what you gave us a little bit of, like the cultivation of ideas. What does that look yeah. like for yeah. spirit and character? Yeah.
1: Uh, well first of all you're being very kind Stephen and, and I think my my family would give a different picture of me at, at <laughs> moments of stress and and frustration and um, you know my wife is a really good she she was trained as a counselor and she's very good at helping me um, know when I need to stop and slow down and journal uh, you know we were joking about this I, I am a three and the the one of the traps of a three is just to keep moving you know. Yeah. And and to not stop. But I, I spent a lot of my teenage and 20 something years um, with daily journaling. I don't do that anymore. Um, but I but I've had to be able to stop and to name, you know, Lord, what am I what, what's behind this anger? What, what am I sad about? Um, and 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 I, I began seeing a spiritual director about once a month. Well, it started once a month in in twenty thirteen, um, and then it went to once a quarter, and then now it's a couple couple times a year. the The goal is it's almost like a forced checkpoint, a forced stop, uh, take stock of your soul. Um, and 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 for me, I mean, it it is really uh, in addition to all of that. It's also just sort of an awareness, a practicing of God's presence uh, throughout the day. You know, so. So just stopping and saying thank you lord yeah. help me jesus come holy spirit you know and awareness uh, to him because when you when you develop that kind of prayer life and the the, the repeated turning toward jesus uh, turning toward the spirit um, that's where your heart can can stay soft it's interesting I, I it's very similar to you know the gottmans they talk about this with marriage they talk about the turn toward and spouses who stop turning toward one another get a hardness in their heart. Was well, a similar way in our relationship with the Lord. If if we only turn toward Him in these moments of intensity, but it doesn't work. It has to be communion. It has to be throughout the day. So so yes, practices like like beginning my day with prayer and ending the day uh, yes, but but it's throughout the day. After this, I'm going to get in my car and head up to a very big uh, meeting with some decisions ahead for when the church regathers and all that. I'm going to be praying all the way through. I'm going to be taking a breath saying, Lord, help us be with us, beware, you know, um, opening meetings that way, uh, filling up those spaces. One of the things my spiritual director challenged me is he said, Glenn, as often as you refresh the apps on your phone, would you refresh your soul with prayer, you know? Wow. And I thought, man, that's what I want. I want that tenderness to be refreshed throughout the day.
0: Yeah, that's so good. I, you know, I, I think about that idea of just the the return. I'm um, so easy. I know God's presence is everywhere, but um, I just, like Moses in the desert might not yes. be aware of that burning bush, you know? And the rabbis thought, have 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 wondered with Midrash that that, that bush had been burning for years and right. Moses was unable to see it. Just his head space and heart space was distracted. And and I can go, me too, me too. And that, mm-hmm. that teshuva, that like return, that like daily momentary repentance of like, just I'm welcomed back into the presence. Um, I love that consciousness of it for you. And I mean, and and when we talk about character and, you know, new life has gone through a unique kind of season many, many years ago, um, where you saw this, you know, and, and on the, on the backside and, um, like what has that kind of, done within you to really showcase the importance of this? Yeah. Uh, anything you would say about that?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's late 2006, founding senior pastor, public, very public moral failure. And then a new senior pastor came in August of 2007 and a hundred days into his time, a gunman came on our campus, opened fire, two teenage girls lost their lives. Very, very tragic. And, and, and through both of those incidents, scandal and shooting, um, our church has been a praying church and a worshiping church. And if not for that belief that the Holy Spirit is here, speaking, present, comforting, um, if not for that, I don't know how we would have made it through. Because th- th- when you go through crisis, initially anyway you don't need a lot of exposition of the why because there isn't any right uh, but what you need what you need is presence and we say that with one another or oh, we need to be present to one another. that's true and we need to be aware of god's presence with us and, and 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 so just just that belief in a dynamic personal dialogical relationship with god through the holy spirit and accessing that for us, I know there's many ways of accessing that, and we love practices from the contemplative tradition and the charismatic, all of that. Um, but, but worship and prayer has been uh, a huge, a huge well for us. But to go back to that well metaphor, you dig wells before you need the water. I would also say you, you need a few different wells. You know, I, I went through a time where I was so immersed in like, music and modern worship that, that that well was dry for me. You know, and so that's when I began. Oh, what about psalm praying? And what about what's this thing, the Lectio Divina? And what's this thing, the Prayer of Examine? And what, you know, there were other contemplative traditions that became like new wells for me. And, and so I think as leaders, because we're overly exposed to all of these wells that we're giving other people to drink all the time, uh, sometimes we need to drink from a different well than the one that we're offering people water from. Wow. You know? So, so I'm in this, you know, charismatic sort of megachurch context. It's music is great; it's, it's amazing. But when I need to be renewed, I might listen to choir music. You know, I might listen to like quiet chants of the Psalms or something. And 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 so that might be true for the leaders out there. Have have a multiple um, sources of, of renewal. That's so good, you know. And, and I love that
0: you talk about the power of presence. Um, you know, I think that's one of the reasons, like God gave his son two names, you know, and, and typically we love just to bring one of those names, you know, into a conversation, but the sense of, yeah, like Emmanuel, God with us and, you know, Yeshua, God's mighty to save, like both of those are so important. Um, and yet it's sometimes people aren't asking like for the, the exposition, they're longing for that Emmanuel, that, that yes. he's near and that he's present. And I think, the more wells that we have that are feeding into us, yeah. the more present we can be to God, but also more yes. present to those that are in need. And I and and Glenn, that's again. I don't know the kind of wells that you are digging. I can see the fruit of what God is cultivating in you. And and just as as a one pastor from afar, thank you. Um, and you're someone I just I, I appreciate. I respect, um, and I, I'm really hoping that, like, more people um, would be able to just listen and discover um, your work. If if people weren't familiar with you, where, where where would be the best place for them to find? Maybe the Roman stuff or just more info on, on yeah. who Dr. Glenn Packiam is?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, probably my website. It's uh, glennpackiam.com, and that's Glenn with two Ns. And Pacium is is like the three words pack P A C K I, and then am am uh, glenpacium and and there's a link there to sign up for the email list for for the Roman stuff, uh, but there's links to books and videos and all that other fun stuff. So
0: yeah. that's awesome. And I would tell you if you're if you're listening, Glenn sent me some of his notes. Uh, even just the way that he puts notes together, it's worthy to sign up for the list just to see how he arranges ideas. Um, again, as a communicator, as a teacher, pastor, like I love seeing how people fight for ideas and, and make them accessible. And Glenn, you are a master at that. Hey, man, thank no, you no. so I'm much learning. for this time. Grateful for you. And uh, hey, many blessings to you as you uh, help lead uh, kind of this season of regathering in Colorado.
1: Thank you, Steve. Bless you too. Grateful for you.
0: Well, thanks so much for tuning into the Craft and Character podcast. Here's the deal. We're here to help you and I want to help you get better um, at your spiritual gifts of teaching and preaching, Uh, but I also want to help introduce you to people, introduce you to opportunities um, that can help your character lead the way. And so uh, if you go to our website, www.craftandcharacter.org, you'll learn more um, about opportunities, um, gatherings, conversations, blog posts, You name it, we're there. We want to help you. We're on Instagram, at craftandcharacter, and and on Twitter, at craft underscore character. But I hope today you were blessed by the words of Dr. Glenn Packiam. That's just so fun to say. Uh, But I'd encourage you, please check out his website, glennpackiam.com. He's an amazing, accomplished songwriter. I, I love his book, Blessed, Broken, Given. If you need a good read, please pick that book up. And if you just want to learn more, um, that page will introduce you to uh, his YouTube channel where you can learn more about his teachings and just watch how he takes complex ideas and makes them so accessible so that people who are far from God, people who are growing in their Christ-centeredness are being shaped and formed. Glenn is a gift, and I hope you were truly blessed by what he said. If you uh, have enjoyed this podcast, uh, this is this is the number two for us. Uh, Please share it, um, rate it, review it, pass it on. Um, We just want to be helping you continue to not neglect your spiritual gift, to help you be diligent and to help you grow in what God has entrusted for you. And I hope, I hope in this week that you would have the courage to go dig some new wells that you would find yourselves kind of drinking in some new streams. Maybe it's around creativity. Maybe it's an ancient practice. Maybe it's a fruit of the Spirit. Uh, Whatever it is that the Spirit is leading you into, may you have the courage to take some time in your schedule this week and say, i got to dig new wells. Maybe it's making a call to a counselor or spiritual director, but whatever it is, may you... Have that courage to dig new wells because in a few months, you're going to need that. You're going to need that. And because you had the foresight and the perspective to do that, you're actually going to have something to give away that's not just going to bless you and bless your family, but it's also going to bless the community that God has entrusted you to lead and to love and to model what it means to follow Christ for. I hope you have a blessed week. Let's go dig some new wells. Until next time, grace and peace.